Hello, future fans! This week, we learned to fight back, we learned to drive, but before all of that, we first learned to crawl. This is the week of July 12th, 2019, and you are listening to episode 141 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show we have a good show this week as opposed to all those other weeks where i give you mediocrity at its best this week we have some very interesting news we have a a grip of good trailers and then we have a dual pick week i know it's been a while but i do believe that this week i have a good reason for having a dual pick week so this week it's not that i just can't choose i'm like oh which movie would i rather see no 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 i believe i have a good reason and we will get to that reason in the movies but first let me introduce the show if you are new here if you have no idea what this is welcome to the show this is future flicks with billiam I am Billiam, and we do quite a few things here. We always start out with the news and the trailers. That's any new movie news and any new movie trailers that have dropped since the last episode. We then go into the movies, which are broken up into two categories. The limited release movies, which are any movies that are getting a limited release and didn't do anything to catch my eye. Does that mean that the movie will be bad? No, not necessarily. It just means that the the trailer didn't do enough to sell the movie to me. Then we jump into the wide releases and interesting indies, which is just what it sounds like. Any indie movie that had a good trailer that did sell the movie to me and every wide release, no matter how good or bad I think it may be. And we have some news regarding bad movies this week, so I look forward to that. For both the limited releases and the wide releases and interesting indies, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it. But for the limited movies, that's it. It does not deserve anything else from me, except maybe a few offhand comments. In the wide releases, I then also tell you my thoughts on it, and then I give it a score, which I call the Bill Score, the Billiams Interest Level Score. That can go anywhere from a 0 to an 11 And then I give you a question of the week and send you along your way. Well, let us jump into the first segment of the show, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. This first story comes to us from Metro.co.uk. And do you remember what I said last week? That I don't want to hear one more story about a certain movie having problems. Well, let, let's just pause for a little bit. Just, just a quick pause. And tell me if you remember which movie that is. If you said Bond 25, you are correct. Yes, Bond 25 is having even more issues with Grace Jones quitting the movie last minute after discovering that her part was nothing but a cameo. The 71-year-old actress is known for quite a few things, including her role in 1985's A View to Kill, 
That's right, she's been in a Bond movie already. In that film, she played Mayday alongside Roger Moore's Bond and Christopher Walken's Max Zorin. And remember, still back then, we had Desmond Llewellyn's Q. Well, apparently, she did not know how big her role was going to be for this movie, which makes me wonder, how the f*** do you not know this? Like, was this deal 100% made by, like, her manager or her agent or an assistant and the studio, and she knew nothing of it? And then her agent just came to her and says, oh, hey, Grace, by the way, we got you a, ro a role in the new Bond movie. She's like, cool, as long as it ain't no bitch cameo. And then she shows up, finds out it's a cameo, and then says, f*** it, and leaves. I'm, not, I'm really not sure about how I, how I feel about this story, just because Grace Jones is not nearly big enough to throw such a fit. If she has health issues, then I could understand that, that maybe she doesn't want to spend all this time working, even if it's a short role, she wants it to be worth it. But other than that, her last movie was a film from 2016 featuring a whole bunch of rock stars, people like Henry Rollins, Iggy Pop, Slash, Lemmy. If she still wants to act, she should feel lucky to even get roles. I wonder how many actors bigger than her would have taken a cameo in a Bond film. Hey, Dwayne Johnson, world's biggest star. Do you want to be in a cameo in a Bond film? You do? Great. Because we have this actress slash musician that a lot of people have forgotten about. Suddenly leave us. Here's a weird part of the story. Apparently, producers and people behind the scenes at Bond 25 were upset by this. Go figure. Because apparently she had very specific and lavish requests that they fulfilled and won't get any money back for. So they just all that money's just thrown away just so she could show up on set, find out it's a small part and then leave. But honestly, if she had a good reason, I would like to know. I, I really would. In this next story from Warming Glow, apparently there's a promising update on a Family Guy movie. The only reason this made it on the news segment is because I'm still shocked that they, that they would even do a Family Guy movie. Like, who besides stoner college guys even watch that bullshit anymore? That show hasn't been funny since, like, the fifth season. Apparently, Seth MacFarlane has said that it is not on the docket for anytime soon, but it hasn't fallen off his to-do list. Maybe they're going to pull a Simpsons movie with this and wait until a majority of the fans have left and it's only the hardcore fans that still watch, then do a movie hoping to draw back some of the old fans. Maybe that's what they're going to do. In promising Bond news, this from Entertainment Weekly, we have learned that Rami Malek had conditions before he agreed to play a terrorist in the new James Bond film, and that condition is that he couldn't be some religious fundamentalist. The exact words are, we cannot identify him with any act of terrorism reflecting an ideology or a religion. That's not something I would entertain, so if that's why I'm your choice, then you can count me out. But in true Bond fashion, he was promised that his villain will be a very different kind of terrorist. And I do understand his concerns. I, I really do, because he is an actor of color, uh, of Egyptian descent. And let's face it, historically, when a person of color is offered the role of a terrorist, it's usually some Al-Qaeda bullshit. But let's be honest. If it was a terrorist that boring and simple, it wouldn't be a Bond film. Hell, if you remember, James Bond had a bad guy who was committing terrorist acts just so he can be the first to report about it on his newspaper. 
Either way, I do understand his concerns, and I am very glad that they are not going to make him some basic terrorist. Well, this next story comes to us from Fansighted, and it's about Fantastic Beasts 3. Apparently, Variety has reported that, and stay with me, I know this is a Fansighted article, but stay with me. Variety has reported that after finishing filming Fantastic Beasts 3, Ezra Miller will begin filming The Flash. So yay for that. Since it seems like DC kind of knows what they're doing now, they, they decided to take the Marvel approach. But here's where the story comes in. Variety did not report on this, but many other news outlets have, and saying that this is going to be Ezra Miller's final Fantastic Beasts movie. Remember, there's supposed to be five, I believe five, Fantastic Beasts movies. And so if this is his final one, that could either mean that his character of Clar Clarence, Credence, Clearwater, I don't know. Whatever, whatever his character's name is, is going to die. Or maybe takes a completely new form, which isn't out of the question, seeing as that they're probably going to replace Johnny Depp in the series. So the question now is, who's right? Is Variety correct in not reporting this, seeing as they don't have enough evidence? Or are the other news agencies right? And this is his final movie. What I hope more than anything is that Fantastic Beasts 3 will not be the complete sh show that 2 was. But again, time will tell. In a story from IndieWire, not really a story, just something interesting, Zoe Saldana says that she wants to see Gamora as a villain in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Why is this not an actual news story? Well, because we don't know what the movie's going to be about. We can assume Adam Warlock is going to have something to do with it. Will he be an actual bad guy in this? Will he be a character or will he just come out near the end? We don't know. And I was about to say something about... Infinity War, and while I don't give two shits about spoiling anything from, from Infinity War, it would have low-key spoiled something for Endgame, which uh, I'm still iffy about. So uh, let me just end this by saying, personally, I think it's highly unlikely that Gamora would be a true villain. If anything, she would be a lot like Nebula in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So an antagonist for a little bit of it, but not the main bad guy. This next story comes to us from Digital Spy. The creator of the movie The Mask has teased a reboot with a female lead. It is claimed that the creator has someone in mind but did not want to say who she was. And I'm not sure how to feel about this. I, I think that if they are ever going to reboot this series, having it be a woman would be a good way to keep it fresh. I, I really do. Because I think if they reboot it with a guy, it would just be the same. I mean... It won't have Jim Carrey's style to it, but I think the whole movie would be basically be the same unless they really switch something up so much that it would be dishonest to the original. So I think the best way to reboot it and keep it and keep it true to the original but make it fresh would be to make it a woman. But here's my more important question is why the f would we even reboot this? The Mask is one of those movies that you remember fondly from your childhood and then you try to rewatch it as an adult and you're like, oh yeah, it wasn't that good, was it? This next story comes to us from Entertainment Weekly. Apparently, there's a new Netflix original movie on its way. And by on its way, I mean early pre-production, but so far we know that Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot, and Dwayne Johnson have signed on for an art theft action film titled Red Notice. This movie reunites Dwayne Johnson with a director he's worked with before on movies like Central Intelligence and Skyscraper. He's worked with Gal Gadot on Fast Five and Fast and Furious 6. 
The only new one for Dwayne Johnson is Ryan Reynolds. Apparently, this film was originally supposed to be a universal release, but then Netflix got it. So, yay. I like Netflix movies, though that sounds like good news to me. And it looks like it has a good cast, so I cannot wait. The release is set for November 13th, 2020. This next story comes to us from IndieWire, director of Joker, Todd Phillips expects backlash because apparently the film doesn't follow anything from the comics. To that, I say, no shit. I've seen the trailer. Anyone even mildly familiar with the Joker has seen the trailer and uh, has not recognized anything. My question now is why the fuck make it a Joker movie then? Why not just some random crazy person? I mean, this movie does have good actors in it, and it has a lot of promise, but I still don't get why we're making a Joker movie and have it be a completely different Joker from any Joker we've known before. So I really don't get it. Um, I am really not holding my breath for this movie, though. So far, all signs point to it being a good film, but once again, say it with me. Here we go. Time will tell. Joker comes out October 4th this year. Our next story comes to us from Entertainment Weekly. Jessica Chastain has given us a first look at the movie she's working on next, which is a spy thriller called 355 that stars her, Lupita Nyong'o, Diane Kruger, Penelope Cruz, Bing Bing Fan, Sebastian Stan, and Edgar Ramirez. This is a spy movie about a group of female spies from different different countries. And I would love to say I'm really looking forward to this movie, and I mostly am. But my only holdback is that the director of this movie, his only other directing credit is, okay, two, one episode of Twilight Zone from the new Twilight Zone series, and Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix, the movie that we're going to be talking about next, the critically and viewer panned Dark Phoenix. Uh, hopefully Dark Phoenix wasn't his fault because he's been a producer on some good films. He really has like, um, let's see, Deadpool 2, Logan, Deadpool, The Martian, Cinderella, Elysium, but he's also a producer on Fantastic Four and X-Men Apocalypse. Wow. Okay. Um, from just the basic idea of the movie and the cast, I'm looking forward to this. From the person that's helming it, I am not. In this next story that comes to us from Digital Spy, X-Men Dark Phoenix is a bigger flop than the 2015 Fantastic Four reboot. Apparently thus far, Dark Phoenix has had a $250 million worldwide gross. That's on the movie's $200 million budget, so they only made $50 million. Even though technically it's made more than Fantastic Four, which made $167 million on a $120 million budget, apparently the ratio is worse. So there's that. Our next story comes to us from Uprox. Now we know two more people from previous Fast and the Furious movies will be joining the cast. So now it's official that Michelle Rodriguez is returning, much to mixed reviews. But Charlize Theron and Helen Mirren are coming back. Charlize Theron was the villain from the last movie, and we know that Helen Mirren plays the mother of the Shaw brothers. And apparently she's in Hobbs and Shaw as well. Fast and Furious 9 is set for a May 22nd, 2020 release date, and already I cannot wait. Imagine yourself on a journey with the somewhat nerdy radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. 
your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, the bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the news. As of now, did I miss anything? If always, let me know. But without further ado, let us step into everyone's favorite segment, the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the trailer trove. Let us begin with a movie that I am super, super excited for that's coming out this year. A movie by writer-director Ryan Johnson. He is the one that brought us movies like Looper, The Brothers Bloom, and Star Wars The Last Jedi. You may have to forgive him for the last one if you didn't like it. But if you haven't seen this trailer yet, pause right now before I even talk about it and watch it. It is amazing. It's called Knives Out. It is a comedy crime drama, a whodunit style comedy crime drama starring, and I'm just going to read down the list as listed on IMDb, so in no particular order, Anna de Armas, Chris Evans, Daniel Craig, Catherine Langford, Tony Collette, Michael Shannon, Jamie Lee Curtis, Lakeith Stanfield, Christopher Plummer, and Don Johnson. This film looks fan. Fantastic. It looks so good. It looks like it could potentially be one of the best movies of the year. It looks hilarious. It looks really interesting. It looks really well acted. Everything about this movie points to it being amazing. And I cannot wait until November 27th this year. I can't say anything more. I, I don't know what else to say besides watch the trailer. It looks so good. Next up, we have a trailer for a movie that looks okay. Um... It doesn't look bad, and it, it looks like it's looks like, so I could be wrong, but it looks like it's hitting theaters and on demand at the same time. That's August 16th, and that movie's called Driven. This is a semi-biographical crime thriller based on the life of John DeLorean. So if you're keeping track, that's a second movie this year based on John DeLorean, and it stars Lee Pace as John DeLorean. Jason Sudeikis is in it as well, and uh, Judy Greer, Corey Stoll. And even though I'm psyched for the cast, I, I really like the cast. I think Corey Stoll is a an amazing actor who just needs that one role where people will go, holy shit, this guy is amazing, let's put him in everything, and then he explodes. He's really talented, but this isn't going to be that movie. This is going to be an easily forgettable film, but if you're at all interested in John DeLorean, Check this out. Next up, folks, we have another movie I'm really excited for coming out later this year. And it it's another movie that could be one of the best of the year, but just for the sheer fun and sheer ridiculousness of it. And that's Jumanji The Next Level. We now know more about the plot. Uh, a lot of the characters return. Added to the cast this time are Aquafina, Danny DeVito, and Danny Glover. And the main difference is this time the people in control of Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart are not the original people from the last movie. It's now Danny Glover as Kevin Hart and Danny DeVito as The Rock, and it looks so funny. If you've never seen the Jumanji reboot, check it out. It was really enjoyable. It's just a lot of fun. Is it a great movie? No, not at all, but it's just so 
fun that I had a blast watching it. It was the perfect way to do a sequel to a beloved 90s movie. It really was. This film comes out December 13th. Next up, we have the trailer for a film called Spies in Disguise. If you remember a while back, a, a teaser came out for this and then it disappeared and went nowhere. And now we have a full trailer for it. This is an animated film from Blue Sky Studios and 20th Century Fox featuring the voices of Will Smith, Tom Holland, Karen Gillan, Ben Mendelsohn, Rashida Jones, Masi Oka, and of all people, DJ Khalid. And it's about Will Smith playing the world's best spy and Tom Holland playing Walter, Walter Beckett who's kind of like a new version of Q for this spy organization. And Will Smith's character, who is Lance Sterling, accidentally drinks something that Walter was was working on. It turns him into a pigeon. While the premise sounds like something straight out of the 80s, something that's totally old hat, it looks interesting. It looks funny, especially from an animated movie that's not coming to us from one of the big companies. It's not coming from Pixar, from Disney proper. It's not coming from DreamWorks or anything like that. So it still looks good, even though it's not from one of the companies we know and trust. I think it looks funny. It looks like something that it comes out on Christmas, actually. And it looks like something to take your family to. But for the rest of us, something to watch at home. And finally, ladies and gentlemen, you know I had to talk about it. We have the teaser trailer for Mulan. That is the next live action movie coming out from Disney. Well, after Lion King, of course, that's coming out in a couple weeks. But we got our first look at Mulan and it looks good. And they and they have Asians playing these characters. What the f***? That is crazy. Was Scarlett Johansson not available? I joke, but Dis but modern Disney is really good about casting movies properly. And to be fair about the Scarlett Johansson joke, even though I think she sucks, she was playing an android and the android didn't have to look Asian. So that that's, that's something completely different. All joking aside, I think this looks good. I think it looks promising. I think it looks interesting. Uh, check out the trailer for yourself, but this brings up another interesting question. Are we ever going to see a live-action Pocahontas? And there are massive arguments for either side, for yes and no. For yes, we have the fact that, well, they're doing everything else, and if they want to push more equality, then why not do another female, uh, another female character? And put a Native American in one of your movies. That, that's something cool. That's another positive. But on the opposite side, we have the fact that Pocahontas was so historically inaccurate that making the movie now could actually be seen as a worse move. I think it would be a worse move to make the movie than it would be to not do it. If you want to know the, know the true story of Pocahontas, uh, Adam Ruins Everything did a segment on it, and it's it's kind of a, not, not just kind of, it really is a shitty story. And John Smith, just like a lot of people back then, was just kind of a piece of shit. And Pocahontas, just like a lot of Native Americans, got hosed got hosed big time but on a brighter note we have the trailer for mulan it looks good check it out and with that my future fans we have our first break well actually our second break you may have noticed that i put one in between the trailers and the and the news that's because since i have so many so many um promos now that i wanted to i want to space that out a bit more so you heard from somewhat nerdy radio already let's hear from nerds of the squared circle and we're doing fine with robbie and lisa stay tuned Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, 
Snarf Chris. And the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling. And more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah! Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. And we are back. We are back with the limited release movie. So let us get a start with the first one called Firecrackers. A teenage girl and her friend run into problems when they plan to leave town. Angry family and abusive boyfriends are the least of their worries. This stars Karina Evans from Every Day. And this movie almost uh, made it into the interesting indies section, but I, I just couldn't. Just because there's something about it that rubbed me the wrong way. And I just rewatched the trailer to figure out what, and I think it's the beginning of the trailer that really sets a bad tone. That even though these p- girls probably have a reason to be acting as shitty as they do... It just seems like they're assholes, and I can't support a movie about assholes. Next up, we have a film called Lying and Stealing. Ivan is a gifted art thief who wants out. Elise is an aspiring actress who has some skeletons in her closet, and they come back to haunt her. The two form a team with the hopes of escaping, but one last job may prove to be too much. This stars Theo James from How It Ends, Emily Ratajkowski from Gone Girl, and Freddie Melamed from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Quick note, Freddie Melamed has been in a lot of stuff, but most recently he's been in Brooklyn Nine-Nine playing DC Parlov. You know, the, uh, the author who's uh, Terry's favorite author. Let's move on to a movie called Saving Zoe. It's been a year since Echo's sister Zoe was murdered. She's been trying hard to be strong while her family falls apart. As she begins her freshman year of high school, she gets a gift from her sister's old boyfriend, Zoe's diary. It's then that she learns about her sister's secret life and starts to put the pieces together. This stars Laura Morano from The Perfect Date, Vanessa Morano from Gilmore Girls, Georgia Wingham from Scream the TV series, Ken Jeong from The Hangover, and Chris Taveras from KC Undercover. This is based on a book, and I just have the feeling that the book is just the the, the, the shittiest attempt at being intriguing, because Echo, her name's echo and she's the only sister left hmm hmm i wonder if they're trying to tell us something she hasn't been the same since her sister died so she's nothing but an echo of her former self enough of that let's move on to one called trespassers two dysfunctional couples rent a modern luxury home in the desert for the weekend but just as they're about to settle in for the night a neighbor shows up claiming to have car trouble and so begins a bloody and violent night this stars janelle Parrish from pretty little liars and Jonathan Howard from The Last Ship. Next up, we have a documentary called Bethany Hamilton, Unstoppable. This is a documentary about Bethany Hamilton, the woman who lost her arm in a tiger shark attack at the age of 13 and got back on her surfboard to become a star in the competitive world of professional surfing. 
Uh, don't bother. There, there's been a ton of movies and other documentaries already about this. We we don't need another one. Next up, Summer Night. This is a coming-of-age story bleh, about the complexities of young romantic relationships. Uh, gag me. This stars Eller Coltrane from The Circle, Ivan Nelson from The Judge, NLA Tipton from Warm Bodies, Callan McAuffley, Offleafy, Offleaf, Alif, Alif, I think that's how you say it. God, get a better name, person. I am number four is what he's from, or she, whatever. Ella Hunt from Ella and the Apocalypse, Hayden Seto from The Edge of Seventeen, Bill Milner from The Son of Rambo, Laura Condor from the All the Boys I've Loved Before, Elena Camporis from Before I Fall, Chris Davis from Atlanta, Melina Vidler from 800 Words, Victoria Justice from Victorious, and Justin Chatwin from that winner of a movie, Dragon Ball Evolution. I don't like anything. Okay, let me rephrase that. I don't like most things that describe themselves as a coming-of-age story. Like, don't tell me that. Let the story tell me that. Tell me something else about the story. Oh, this is a coming-of-age story about the complexities of young romantic relationships. Yeah, f*** you. So is a million other movies. Get out of here. Next up, we have a film called The Sword of Trust. Cynthia and Mary show up to collect Cynthia's inheritance from her deceased grandfather, but the only item she gets is an antique sword that was believed by her grandfather to be proof that the South won the Civil War. They take it to an antique shop owned by Mel, who helps them sell the sword, and along with his business partner, they all go on an absurd and dangerous adventure. This stars Mark Marin from Marin, Michaela Watkins from Casual, John Bass from Baywatch, and Jillian Bell from Rough Night. This is another movie that almost made it past the cut. It, it really did, but it just seems a little too awkward and a little too a little too dry for my taste. It looks like it could be interesting. I, I like Jillian Bell. She's she's fantastic. Uh, Michaela Watkins, Mark Marin, they're good. Not too familiar with John Bass, but no. I'd rather wait for this movie to come out, wait for someone I know to see it, and then based on their recommendation, maybe see it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. For the limited releases, let us take one more break as we hear a word from our friends at... Oh, shit, who's left? Um, uh, the Watch Your Mouth podcast. And we'll be right back with the wide releases and interesting indies. Please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, -wall, filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, what the yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. And we're back, and I, I hate pop filters so much. You know, over the course of this show, I've tried many different things. I've tried pop filters, I've tried these little mesh things that you put around the microphone, and it just kind of hovers a little bit away from it that acts like a pop filter pop filter but doesn't really do that good of a job i've tried those little puffy things that you that you put on the microphone but i just feel that it doesn't work very well 
And I think anyway, those are best for like live performances or live interviews and things like that, where you can't really use a, a, a uh, pop filter. But no matter what brand of pop filter I buy, no matter how expensive or cheap it is, it wants to go anywhere except right in front of the f***ing microphone. Like it will stay up in the air. It will stay hanging down like a champ. It won't move. But I want to put it in front of the mic. It's like, ah, nah. And I'm watching it slowly sink. Slowly sink. F*** you, pop filter. Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay, let's try this. Okay. Okay, that didn't really work. There. Got it. Yeah, f*** you. Laws of motion be damned. I got this. All right. Well, we are back with the wide releases and interesting indies. So let's jump right into it with a movie called Point Blank. A man's pregnant wife gets kidnapped and he's asked to aid dirty cops by bringing them a patient out of the hospital he works at. Instead, the man asks the patient for help. And lucky for him, that patient is a cop who wants to bring the dirty cops to justice. This stars Anthony Mackie and Frank Grillo from Captain America Civil War, Tayona Paris from If Beale Street Could Talk, and Marsha Gay Harden from The Mist. And let me be very clear, if this was a wide release, if this was something that was actually hitting theaters, it would have been put in the limited section, even if it has Anthony Mackie, even if it has Marsha Gay Harden, two people I like a lot. Just because the movie looks basic, but here's the catch, and you probably know this catch already, this is a Netflix original movie. Which means that as of Friday, you, yes, you could watch this any time you want. And that is the reason this gets put in this section, because even though it looks 100% skippable in theaters, the simple fact that it is on Netflix changes it from a hard pass to a hard maybe. This is a basic action movie. No, nothing really wrong with it. No, nothing wrong at all. But remember, when it comes to movies and spending an, over an hour of your precious time on it, just nothing wrong isn't a good enough reason to see a movie. But this film just has just enough going for it to be maybe worth a watch. It has some actors that we're familiar with, two people from Marvel, it doesn't look bad, and it's on Netflix, so you should be able to watch it as part of your regular subscription price. So no extra money to check this film out. Not Good, Not Bad gets this movie, which is called Point Blank, a 5 out of 11. Next up, we have the first of two documentaries. Two documentaries that made it past the cut, and this first one is called Armstrong. Major Alex Lewis Armstrong is a strong arm alchemist and oh wait, that's the wrong Armstrong. Never mind. This is a documentary about the life of astronaut Neil Armstrong and it reaches beyond the hero we know and into the life of the man outside of the suit. This is narrated by Harrison Ford and this movie's definitely being added to my ever growing, rarely shrinking to be watched pile because I think this is fascinating. I love me some space. I love stories of space exploration, especially the trip to the moon. Like, I don't think I would have been able to do that. Like if they came to me going, hey, Billiam, we want you to train to go to the moon. You'd be the first person to do it. And my reaction would be, F you, I like living. Anyway, not going to talk long about this. You know my deal with documentaries. This is interesting to me. It may not be interesting to you. So there's not really much I can say about this. So what I'm going to do is just give you my score and then move on to the next one. So my score for Armstrong is a 7 out of 11.
And the next and final documentary this week is one called The Cure, Anniversary, 1978 to 2018, live in Hyde Park. And, and really, you couldn't come up with a better title for that shit? This is the 40-year anniversary performance of The Cure. And oh my god, does Robert Smith look terrible. I love me some Cure. I really do. One of my dreams is to find a karaoke bar that has Just Like Heaven, because I've always wanted to sing that, and no place ever has it but he's still rocking the lipstick and guy liner and i mean okay you do your thing you do you honestly but he looks like a very confused drag queen trying to dress like bellatrix lestrange from the head up but making fun of the looks of six-year-old rockers aside let us talk about the cure more importantly their set list for this so i'm looking at their set list for I believe this is it, July, the concert on July 7th, 2018, that took place in Hyde Park, London, England. And it doesn't look that bad. Uh, it starts with Plain Song, Pictures of You, Hi, A Night Like This, The Walk, End of the World. And it goes on. We, we also see Love Song, Just Like Heaven, A Forest. Then in the encore, we get Lullaby, Friday I'm in Love, Why Can't I Be You, Boys Don't Cry. But they end with killing an Arab. So let me get this straight. You Okay, you say you have a band. Your band has been popular for a long time. Never huge, but pretty popular. Ha has quite a few hits. People still see you even 40 years later. And you do this huge concert on the anniversary of the day you guys formed as a band and you have this huge set list of 29 songs and the song you end with is killing an arab you don't end with boys don't cry you don't end with friday i'm in love you don't end with just like heaven or love song what the fuck if i have any listeners from the united kingdom tell me is killing an arab a really big song over there or maybe The Cure is trying to make an unfortunately timed political statement. I, I, I don't get it. But anyway, th this is a good set of songs. And if I'm being honest, I haven't heard of half of this set, but it does have all the songs I've heard of and love. So if you like The Cure, you may want to check this out one day. If you love The Cure, you might want to watch us in theaters. Either way, as for my opinion, it gets a 6.5 out of 11. Next up, we have a film from India called Super 30. This is based on the life of Panta-based magician, magician, <laughs> mathematician. So Panta-based mathematician Anand Kumar, who runs the famed Super 30 program for ITT aspirants in Panta. So just imagine those movies that were super popular in the 90s about someone starting a school or starting to teach somewhere and they believe in the unbelievable children, those kids that you think have no future, they believe in them and they help them rise to the top. This is basically that. This is a guy who was really into the field of technology and wanted to teach it, but noticed that there's this, the, the school in his area only catered to the rich. And then he thought, but... What, what about all these other kids who have aspirations, who want to do this, who have promise but can't afford it? So he starts this other school and now apparently is a big deal. It's been a while since we talked about an Indian film in the wide release and interesting indies section. So let me reiterate just really quickly what I what I normally say. It's that there are two kinds of films that make it across the pond. Well, the pond across the world here. And those are the the, the crazy silly ones and the ones that look really good. 
Not that the silly ones are not are going to be bad per se, but a different styles of movies. And this looks like the more serious and one that can be considered a, a really good movie as opposed to just a fun movie. This movie looks interesting. It looks like it's going to be a interesting and touching story that looks well acted and well written from what I could tell. Does this film reek a little bit of nationalism? Uh, yeah, sure. Of course. Like. We do that here. Every country does that. Like going, let's make a movie that talks about something f***ing awesome from our history and then put it out there going, look how great we are. So nothing wrong with that. And the good side about this is that it looks like it stays away from any sort of political thing, except for the fact that he wants to teach the poor as opposed to the super rich. Super 30 gets a 7 out of 11. Next up, we have a film called The Art of Self-Defense. A man is attacked at random on the street. He enlists at a local dojo led by a charismatic and mysterious sensei in an effort to learn how to defend himself. This stars Jesse Eisenberg from The Social Network, Alessandro Nivola from Face Off, and once again, my favorite named actress, Imogen Poots from 28 Weeks Later. And I tell you what, she better keep that name for the rest of her life. I don't know if she's married, but if she isn't and she gets married, she better keep that name. Anyway, this is a movie that kind of snuck up on us, right? I mean, we, we had a, a one trailer for it, I think. I think there was only one trailer, and it came out a couple weeks ago. And the movie looks interesting. It's listed on IMDb as an action, comedy, and drama. So those three genres. But I, I think this would be better set as a black comedy. Because I really get that feeling. I get vibes of Cable Guy from this. Movies like Birdman, Kick-Ass, Death to Smoochie, Thank You, from Smo Thank you for Smoking. Movies that may have funny parts in it, but are really just kind of make you sit there and go, should I be laughing at this? Is there something wrong with me for laughing at this? And this also looks super awkward because Jesse Eisenberg does a couple roles really well. He plays people like uh, the guy from The Social Network. He does that really well. I thought he did a good job as Lex Luthor. I think he did. He's just not any Lex Luthor that we're familiar with. And he plays really awkward really well. And I think this is going to be one of those films. And it's also not quite certain what the movie is about just because it, he's starting to, to train at this dojo, but it seems like the sensei is some sort of creep or criminal and starts blackmailing him or something. I, I don't understand what's going on, but this looks like a movie that's going to have a very specific audience. It's not going to do well, and it's just going to find that audience, and those people are going to love it. It's going to be a cult classic, but not going to get a lot of love from the wider audience. It does have talented people in it. And I think that Samosa has going for it. The Art of Self-Defense gets a 5.5 out of 11. Next up, and the final movie that's not one of the two picks of the week, is called Stuber. A detective recruits his Uber driver into an unexpected night of adventure. This stars Dave Bautista from Guardians of the Galaxy, Kumail Nanjiani from The Big Sick, Karen Gillan from Guardians of the Galaxy, Betty Gilpin from Glow, Steve Howery from Shameless, Natalie Morales from Parks and Rec, Mir Sorvino from The Replacement Killers, and Iko Uwais from The Raid. And so you do remember, do you, do you remember a couple weeks back when Dave Bautista said that he would never do Fast and Furious, that he would, he would like to do good movies? Excuse me, Dave Bautista, the f*** is this? Could it be that you have done a movie that may not be good, but may be interesting or may be entertaining? 
maybe you have done a movie that makes that claim that you want to do good movies kind of laughable. I think this looks funny. I think this looks entertaining. I, I want to eventually watch it. I'm going to skip it 100% in theaters. But if you compare this film to any of the Fast and the Furious movies, except for maybe three, uh, three and four, which I still liked, but weren't the best. So even then, if you compare this movie to those, I think the Fast and Furious movies are better films. But let us not judge this film off the words of Dave Bautista that he should be eating. No, let us judge this on the fact that this looks entertaining. It does. This is a very familiar story. How many movies out there are there about a cop, a cop or an agent or a military person or a spy or something who teams up with an average person who, who provides some sort of service that this that this cop or whatever needs? And then they team up. Hmm, does this, does this remind you at all of Central Intelligence with Dwayne Johnson? Hmm, hmm, interesting. All right, let's face it. You have probably seen the trailers for this, just as, just as I have seen the trailers for this. And you may or may not have come to the same conclusion I have. That I believe that this would be fun. I believe it will be an enjoyable film. I think I will sit back. I think I will laugh and I will enjoy it. But I, nothing about this grabs me. Nothing about this makes me want to see it in theaters. I do not want to go out of my way to watch this at all. I will watch it one day, maybe when it hits a streaming service, maybe if it goes on sale on Amazon or Best Buy. Maybe then, not now. No matter how much I like the cast, no matter how much Kamal Nanjiani is a very talented comedian, no matter how great the comedic timing of Dave Bautista and Karen Gillan are, I must give Stuber a 7 out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the picks of the week. And let me tell you now why I have a dual pick and why I think it's a good reason I do. I try not to be biased. I really do. But I also have to face the fact that I have an obvious bias towards films with Asian casts. Even though I say again and again, it shouldn't matter what the color or, or race or ethnicity of an actor is. If they do a good job in the film, they should be in the film. Is it a mixed race cast? Is it mostly white? Is it mostly black? It, it, that, it shouldn't matter. It, what should matter is, does the movie look good? Even though I still fully believe that, whenever I do see a movie with a huge Asian cast, I can't help but want to support it a little more, just because still, I believe Asians are underrepresented in Hollywood. So that's why the movie I wanted to have as my main pick of the week, that's why I thought I should add another one just to give an alternate option if you aren't as interested in the main pick as I am. Because even though, yes, this is my show, I can do whatever I want, I, I, I still want to see the other movie a lot too. So let's start with the wide release pick of the week, and that is called Crawl. A young woman ventures into the path of a hurricane to save her father. She finds him, but also finds the huge alligator that's been keeping him trapped under his house. The two must find a way out as the floodwaters start to rise. This stars Kaya Scodelario from The Maze Runner and one of my favorite actors, Barry Pepper from Saving Private Ryan. So I had initially recorded a whole bunch already about this, and this is me going back and re-recording this part because I made a big mistake about Crawl, and it was big enough of a one that I don't think I could have, I don't think I could have ignored it. So when I originally talked about this, I talked about the director 
being Sam Raimi. The reason I brought that up was because, well, we know Sam Raimi. We mostly like Sam Raimi, right? And then we could watch out for his car in the movie somewhere. But this is actually directed by someone named Alexandre Aja, who has directed and produced movies like The Hills Have Eyes, the 2006 version, Piranha 3D, Horns. So he's okay. I mean, he has a interesting track record, but maybe with Sam Raimi on as producer, uh, Sam Raimi was able to keep this vision going. But I still believe out of all the movies coming out this week, this one looks like the most fun, just because this is a huge throwback to an old school creature feature. Let's talk about snakes on a plane. Let's talk about Deep Blue Sea. Let's talk about Anaconda. Let's talk about any of those movies and how none of them were good per se, but they were the epitome of entertaining, especially because it's a very good premise that is deceptively hard to do because you think that, oh, let's just get some people. Let's get a big ass creature to try and kill them, have a whole bunch of gory deaths and somehow one or two of them prevail in the end. But it's not that easy, is it? You really have to do a lot more than just that. Even though if you break all of these movies down to their bare bones, that is what you get. But there's so much more to it. And it looks like from the trailer, it looks like this does it well. But here's the thing. This is something Anne pointed out to me. And I'm actually ashamed it didn't occur to me at the time is that I'm pretty sure the trailer shows you the whole movie. So if you haven't seen the trailer before, I warn you about seeing it because I'm pretty sure that every key point in the movie is in the trailer. They may have put it in a different order, but it's still there. I am certain of it, especially the ending, which may leave it open to a sequel, may not. But I'm thinking more of these people need to take a page out of Disney's handbook more specifically marvel's handbook just because how many times have we seen a marvel trailer that got you super pumped for a movie but it didn't spoil stuff or if it did it didn't make it look like a spoiler like how many badass parts of captain america civil war did you see in the trailer but it didn't feel like you saw the whole movie so when you saw the film you were pumped and Even when those scenes came up that you had already seen in the trailers, it was still awesome. But I don't think Crawl is going to be good enough of a movie to make that okay. When you see all of these things and realize that it's a big plot point, it's a big part of the movie, I think it could also be disappointing. And this is another reason, yet another reason that I had dual picks this week, just because the movie I really want to see may not be for everyone, and I have to acknowledge my bias. This movie may not be for everyone. Stuber may not be for everyone. And I know that seems like an obvious thing to say. Yes, every movie is not for everyone. Duh. But especially these films are are niche. With Stuber being the more open, the, the most widely accessible one. But just because its genre is more widely accessible than these other movies, I, I still don't think it makes it worthy of being put up there on, on this episode, being put up there as a pick. I, I think the reason I'm so into Crawl is because of this throwback to these old creature movies, and I am excited to see this one day.
While I cannot promise you I will not see this in theaters, I will tell you that the chance of me seeing it in theaters is pretty low. But the chance of me watching this at home is pretty high. Crawl gets a 7.5 out of 11. And my future friends, it is time for the other pick of the week. And that is a movie called The Farewell. A Chinese family discovers their grandmother has only a short while to live and decide to keep her in the dark. They schedule a wedding as a false pretense to gather before she dies. Billy, the young American-born granddaughter, is warned not to let her grandma know as it's the Chinese way, but she finds it hard. Can she keep it a secret? This stars Aquafina from Ocean's 8 and Tsi Ma from Rush Hour. I think this movie looks fantastic. I, I was so pumped. Um, maybe pumps the wrong word for a movie about a family dealing with one of their family members dying and hiding it from her. But I did really have my interest piqued by this for many reasons. Let's start with the first of all that this is going to really look into the difference between the American culture and the Chinese culture told through the eyes of a Chinese American. So. Ethnicity-wise, she may be full-blooded Chinese, but she was born and raised in America, and while she may understand certain aspects of Chinese culture, a lot of what she knows is American. And in America, that's not our way. If someone has cancer, we tell them. But this thought in, in, in this movie is that they want to protect the grandma. Why add to the suffering? And not only that, but it's a very private thing. So not only are we not going to tell grandma, but we're not going to tell anyone else outside of the family because we are a private people. I say we, but I can understand this thought, e even though I, too, am culturally American and only half Japanese. I can still understand their rationale. I can see where they're coming from, and I can also sympathize with Aquafina. She may be culturally American like mostly culturally American, but she still is Chinese. She still understands a, a lot of the culture and she may even speak Chinese, but there is still this fundamental difference between what is right for her and what is right to the family. And let's also ignore the generation gap because I don't know if it's still this way in China to this day, but these are older people. It's her parents who are older, her grandpa, her grandma, who of course is older. So we have this generation gap where even though things may be changing, maybe they wouldn't, maybe Aquafina and her siblings may not do that to their parents. Her grandma, at the very least, is of the last generation where they would do that, at the very least. And this film looks really well acted too. I, I my heart broke so many times in, in the trailer, especially when you see Aquafina see her grandma for the first time after she flies over to China. And I, I am really impressed with her. Like, I've liked her, uh, but I've never been a huge fan. I liked her in Ocean's 8. I thought she did a good job in that, but she didn't, like, blow me away. I didn't go, oh, sh she's the new big thing. But after this, I may change my tone because it looks like she does a fantastic job in this. It could also be a, a case of a little eight mile syndrome where we have someone in a role that may not have been written for her per se, but she can identify so much with a character that is really easy for her. If you're not familiar with eight mile, I say syndrome, but that's really the wrong word. Eight mile 
something. I, I'll think of something. But eight mi- the eight mile miss is kind of like how people were surprised that Eminem was good in eight mile. Like, but eight miles basically about him. Of course, you're going to be good playing you. But the farewell looks touching. It looks well written. It looks well acted. It looks just like a really well done movie that's going to be equal parts charming, loving, and devastating. Even if we don't see the grandma die, even if she does not die in the film, the best we can hope for as far as an ending goes is something happy happens, the movie fades to black, and we go leave knowing that even though it ended on a happy note, she's still going to die. Hell, even if it's a misdiagnosis, she's the, the, the woman's like 80 something. As of 2016, average life expectancy in China was 76 years old. That is two years below America and I think four to six years below Japan. So absolute best case scenario, it ends on a happy note, but she still ain't got that much time and that's going to stay with us. So maybe after you watch this movie, you may need a hug. Maybe after you watch this movie, you may need to go see Stuber because you need something uplifting and funny. Maybe after you watch this, you just need to sit and think. I I don't know, but I think you should watch this. I I think this is one of those movies that should go on your to-be-watched list. I think it's going to be well worth a watch. For some people, it'll be worth a watch just one time. Just like I view movies like Brokeback Mountain and Foxcatcher, things like that, where I watched it going, oh, that was a good movie. Now I'm going to never, ever watch it again. No matter what your take on movies like this, I still think it's worth a watch at least once. And that is why The Farewell gets a 10 out of 11. And with that, it is time for the question of the week. And let us just recap. The question of the week was, assuming they did a good job with it, which property would you like to see Disney acquire? I had to go hunting for answers for this one outside of the house, but we have Walker. You may remember him on that interesting uh, episode I had with the co-host. He says, none. They're too scary right now. And then he goes on to say, actual answer. But I trusted him. I knew he wasn't joking. Evan says that he's sorry that he hasn't had time to listen. And, you know, I get it. I I understand. Sometimes I get so busy and honestly forgetful too that I let so many episodes of Somewhat Nerdy Radio, Nerds of the Squared Circle, and Watch Your Mouth podcast all back up. But the good news then is that I can just listen and listen and listen and listen and have all this greatness all just backed up to listen to. Within the household, we have Anne who answered Firefly. And yeah, I, I think Disney would be able to do a good job with that. I think they would try to get Joss Whedon back or at least have him so involved in it that it would feel like a Joss Whedon production. I think they'd be able to get all the actors back. I think they would uh, maybe be able to undo the, the death of Wash. So once again, we can have our leaf on the wind back. And I think they'd be able to do at least a good uh, movie trilogy or maybe even another TV show on Disney+. Plus. I think that'd be really cool. And as for me, I really had to think about this because m- what are my favorite uh, favorite movies? My favorite movies are Ghostbusters, but no, because we're getting another one from Ivan Reitman's son, and I have I, I have hope for that. Uh, Back to the Future, no, I'm happy with that. I, I don't need any more. We're good. Uh, my favorite, another favorite film was Gladiator, but the if you remember when we talked about what the plan for Gladiator Two was, I think that sounds stupid as shit. 
and I just don't want any more. Just leave it. So I went down my list of favorite movies and I couldn't think of one. So I went to my list of movies I don't like and I found my answer and that is Transformers. I know it hasn't been that long since the last one, but and it would be a quick reboot. People would be saying, you're rebooting this already? Well, yes, of course, because now Disney has Transformers and they're going to do a good job with it and they're going to have a restraining order against Michael fucking Bay so he can stay the away from it and not get his cancerous hands anywhere near it and also i've been reading a lot of articles recently about how michael bay is supposed to be some sort of creep too like when um when megan fox auditioned for transformers she literally just washed michael bay's car and he filmed it and then like shared the video with his friends like what what kind of creepy ass anyway i would love to see i would love to see a great transformers series and i think I think Disney would have the funds and the ability to do it. Well, we need a new question of the week. So here we go. So this question may be a repeat. I, I do believe I've done it before, but I think it follows on the heels of the last question so well that I want to ask it again. And if you have answered this before, definitely answer again. Maybe come up with a different answer. But here we go. Which movie or TV show would you save from ever being remade. And this is from this point on. So if you pick Star Wars, everything that's already been done in the Star Wars universe stays. I'm sorry, Walker. So let me repeat that question again. Which movie or show would you save from ever being remade? Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for this episode. You've listened to episode 141 of Future Flicks with Billiam titled Grandma and the Fighting Gators. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please, and then share the podcast with your friends. Help us grow here. We've been doing great slow but steady growth and how do you reach me great question leave a comment for me on the somewhat nerdy website or facebook page leave a comment on soundcloud hit me up on twitter at billiam swn and quick note you may notice i haven't been on instagram if you're if you looked for me you can't find me uh, i haven't left you well uh, i'm gone but it's not my fault uh, it turns out instagram banned me and it was a mistake they admit to it and i've been dealing with this for for over a week now uh, sending them messages saying, hey, you've banned me, but you've said it was a mistake, but I still can't get in. And I think eventually I may need to just start a new account that Anne's going to help me with, but th that's why. So please stay tuned for a brand new Billiam, Billiam Instagram account. So please support us on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes or on the Somewhat Nerdy website. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future. <laughs>